Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sharing Everything. We are your hosts. I'm Katie Balecki. I'm Joe Balecki. And we're married, and we like making each other watch movies that we like. So, Joe, what did we watch this week? We watched The Age of Adeline. The Age of Adeline. Yep. Would you like to tell us a little bit about the movie? Yes. Uh, so, in the 40s, right? It was in the 40s, right? It was, it was around... Yeah. World War II-ish. Yeah. There was this girl named Adeline, and uh, she got in a car accident and fell into some cold water during a thunderstorm while it was snowing. The In California. In California. The lightning hit the water and restarted her heart. And also slowed down her DNA or stopped it or something so that she would not age anymore. Mm -hmm. Basically. Uh, And then so much like the Highlander, she sort of dedicated her life to to solitude. She she changed her location every 10 years and her identity and uh, not her manner of speaking. She still spoke like like a like an aristocratic woman from the 1940s. Old habits die hard. I guess. Uh, and uh, eventually, though, she did fall. She ends up falling in love. I mean, she falls in love a lot of times, but she <laughs> falls in love enough to want to uh, tell the the dude what she's in love with about her her uh, Highlander sort of deal that she's got going on. But then she gets in another car accident. Dude, you're missing so much of the movie. Like what? Like who is the dude's father? Oh, Harrison Ford, who also <laughs> she had fallen in love with and started freaking the floop out uh, because uh, you look exactly like Adeline. Oh my God, uh, I'm Harrison Ford. Uh. And then she also has a daughter. And she does have a daughter who, who by this point, because it's like a present day movie mm-hmm. after the 40s, uh, is, is a very old lady, mm-hmm. which is an interesting dynamic. Mm-hmm. And then she gets in another car accident and they defibrillate her <laughs> and, uh, and then she starts aging again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So what did you think about the movie? Did you enjoy it? I thought it was sweet. I thought it was cute. I, I liked how using the uh, youth and energy that she just kind of eternally has, she basically learned all of the languages and mm-hmm. and, and just became very smart. And uh, I enjoyed that. Uh, I thought the initial courtship between her and her her main romantic attraction, whose name I can't remember. His name is... Um, IMDb? Ellis. Ellis. So Adeline and Ellis. He was a little too forward for my tastes, but this is a romantic movie for uh, lonely women. So I guess I get that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's interesting, right? Because I see I see so many things online about like unwanted male attraction, and yet this guy is 
Mm -hmm. uh, really forward and really persistent. I mean, she like outright is like, no, this isn't going to happen. Please leave me alone. Please don't contact me anymore. And then he's like, oh, that sounds like a yes to me. Yeah, it reminds me of The Notebook, which also took place at the same time. So I think mm -hmm. it's just that's how things were back then. And so she was, Adeline was more um, forgiving of it because maybe that's how it was back when she was actually 29 years old. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, I, I like the movie. It was cute. It was fun. Mm -hmm. It was It was well produced. Well shot. It was a good movie. Why do you like it? Why did you want me to see it? Um, well, do you have any guesses? Um, so we could have an argument over whether Melissa Benoist and Blake Lively look oh alike. Oh my gosh. Okay. I do not think that I would ever be able to mistake them for being the other person. I don't think they look that similar. I suppose if they were to play like sisters in a movie, I would buy it. Um, to me, they sound alike more than anything. But you are very much of the, like, while we were watching this movie, you said, hey, it's not Melissa Benoist. Yeah. <laughs> who who I think would have been pretty bad in this role. She's She's got more of the sort of, like, female Michael Sarah sort of, like... Yeah, she's not one for serious roles, I don't think. She, yeah. like, her role on Glee, like, I was rolling my eyes at some of her... <laughs> delivery she she, pl she very easily plays that like oh i'm i'm uh oh i'm so so shy and dorky and mm -hmm. uh so no that is not what are you pulling up a side-by-side -side comparison for me is that what you're doing mm -hmm. okay um <clears throat> but no that is not actually why i wanted you to watch this movie um I don't know how to spell the name Melissa, but continue. M-E-L-I-S-S-A. -S -S no, that's not anywhere close. But thank you, Google, for... Uh... <laughs> did you mean the actual spelling of this name? Why well, yes, Google, I did. Um, so maybe you have noticed in your, like, eight-something years of knowing me mm -hmm. that uh, I really... Oh, here okay. we go. We've so, got... Okay. So here's Melissa Benoist. Yep, that's Melissa Benoist. All right. Here's Blake, that's Blake Lively. Lively. And they look exactly the same. They do not look exactly the same. Their hair is exactly the same. Their well, smile is exactly hold the same. On, they hold have blue on. eyes. Hold on. They got a long, thin nose. Melissa Benoist is not usually a blonde like she is in that photo. She has brown hair. Um, also, Blake Lively has much more uh, wrinkly face around the mouth. She's older. Yeah, but like smile lines or whatever you call this, them this and her is, eyes are smaller this is melissa benoist in five years uh, maybe that like i said the they, only difference is that melissa benoist whoa, has, oh. has 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 baby fat still on her face why are you so like upset about this i'm not upset i'm just like i don't understand how you don't see that these are exactly the same people with the exception of like her her beauty mark on her nose there they look similar but i do not think they are exactly the same person. They look exactly the same. Anyway, so the reason why I wanted you to watch this movie is because it sort of does one of those things that I enjoy in my movies, and that is it plays with time. Mm -hmm. um, my favorite movie of all time is Back to the Future. Mm -hmm. um, I really enjoyed um, About Time. That was a fantastic movie. Um, 
mm-hmm. with uh, Rachel McAdams and Domhnall Gleeson. Um, the son, re- uh, Domhnall Gleeson, realizes that, like his father, he can like um, travel through time, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, then there are other movies that are kind of similar, like Benjamin Button. I don't like that movie as much. Um, but I really enjoy movies that take something that is probably one of the only things that literally every person in the world has in common and that is that everyone has a limited amount of time on this earth and then they do something with it to make that not seem so scary mm-hmm. like um adeline she i'm sure she would not have chosen to stay 29 years old forever but like she got to experience all of these things that she would not have been able to experience had she not had this thing happen to her she got to you know learn all those languages and learn a lot of things and do all these things she enjoyed she got to travel and all that um and then like in back to the future uh marty kind of gets an insight into his parents and that makes his life well disregarding the sequels (laughs) it makes his life kind of better Mm -hmm. um so to me that's one of my biggest fears is that I'm not going to have enough time on this earth to do all of the things I want to do. Mm-hmm. And so movies that sort of play with that and make you think, oh, what if I did have more time or what if I could manipulate time in some way? Like, what would I do? And so I just really enjoy movies like that that make me think about the possibilities. Yeah. I think the thing that was interesting about... uh Adeline was that aside from a couple moments where it seemed like she sort of had superhuman memory mm-hmm. she uh, didn't really like have this non-aging thing as any sort of superpower uh, some of the things that she was doing seemed easier such as learning a bunch of mm-hmm. languages and and whatnot were probably easier for her to do with a younger brain mm-hmm but I think we did the math and she was only like 106, right? 107, yeah. 107. And all of those things that she learned, you could definitely do mm-hmm. in 107 years. And I guess that's what made her so appealing to Alice, who's this sort of like rich, wonderkind mm-hmm. sort of guy. Philanthropist guy. Philanthropist, liberal, snowflake, <laughs> virginal cuck sort of character. Um is that she was as smart as him or mm-hmm. whatever, or probably even smarter. Mm-hmm. He probably thought that she was as smart as him, even though she was smarter. And I liked that, that there seemed to be this undercurrent, and I don't think that it was necessarily all that intentional, mm-hmm. but it came across to me is that if you are young at heart, quotes you can continue learning your entire life and know all these things and learn a bunch of languages and have a great memory and that's what i liked because i think it had less to do with her body not aging Mm -hmm. uh, that she was still so youthful and more to do with the fact that she was playing the part of a 29 year old her entire life that she stayed youthful yeah and in that youth she uh, retained the energy that a person in their late 20s early 30s would have 
Yeah. And I think that that's, that was my favorite thing in the movie is, is that sort of lesson that if you stay young at heart and you don't let yourself get worn down by the world and tired and jaded, that you can continue growing and becoming a better person your entire life, no matter what your circumstances are. Because, I mean, there's so many 107-year-olds. I mean, there's only so many. Yeah. But a lot of them, a lot of people who get to be that age, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, you just keep learning every day and you mm-hmm. go for a walk and I drink lots of coffee and I I make sure to eat a cucumber sandwich every day <laughs> and I, then that's just what, that's what keeps me young. Mm-hmm. And then all these people that die in their 70s are... George W. Bush really ruined the country, and then Obama came, and it was worse. And you know, they they die really Mm -hmm. young compared. You know, they die thirty years before they necessarily had to. Yeah, and a lot of that probably does have to do with attitude. Yeah, I agree. I hadn't thought about that at all. Actually, Um, that sort of undercurrent of she took it as an opportunity to keep her mind fresh and focus on good things and everything. And it probably gave her a better um, better outlook on her situation than if she had, you know, aged mentally like she would have normally. Um, but I think that's really funny because... <laughs> you're kind of a grump and you don't always have that positive attitude and yet you're the one who pointed out to me who is the optimist. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's not that I'm cynical, it's just that I'm eternally disappointed with everyone else because I know they can do better. Okay. I'm not mad, son. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> okay. Um let's see. You brought up another point that I wanted to go back to. Um Oh, you mentioned earlier that, um, I don't know how you phrased it, but it kind of made me think that you said that something was appealing about Adeline. Um, and I think it made me think that she took advantage of this opportunity that she had, but she didn't do it selfishly. Like she could have, I don't know, um, like, used it as an opportunity to just get incredibly wealthy or something. Well, there is that scene where she's talking to her accountant or stockbroker mm-hmm. or, or whatever, and she's transferring her funds enti- to her new entirely identity. to her new yeah. identity. And I think they even then go to a flashback where she ends up buying stock in Kodak yeah. when, it, when it, like, just started. Oh, Xerox, yeah. Xerox is what it was. Yeah. And she's like, well, I'm a patient girl. So she is, for the most part, living off of these dividends. Yeah. And then she works in a library because she needs to occupy her time. And, mm-hmm. and she likes books and reading. And, th- and that makes sense to her character because the characters in these stories also never age. Mm-hmm. You know, every time you read Huck Finn, Huck Finn is the same. Yeah. And so she can identify with books because she very much is a character in a book who just never ages. Yeah, that's true. But to your point, yes, it's not like she's day trading yeah. and, and getting billions of dollars with this hundred years of stock market mm-hmm. knowledge that she has because she does have some some almost superhuman memory yeah. and she's very smart. 
So yeah, I I imagine if like Ayn Rand had never aged, <laughs> she would have just like gotten all of the money. Yeah. Or I mean, there like if you're going to live for like forever, like cuz that's what she thought was going to happen until she got in that second car accident. Yeah. Like there are tons of like awful things that you could end up doing. Oh, sure. I mean, your your curiosity at some point just gets the best of you and you're like, "What what what does it feel like to kill a man?" Oh, no. <laughs> Well, see, but that would be trouble because what if she had been sentenced to life in prison and then she just never died, so she'd have to stay in the prison her entire life. Well, the reason that she uh, never told anybody, right, is because she didn't want the government to abduct her and fiddle with her. Yeah, that was interesting how at the beginning they were sort of like, oh, there's something weird about this Adeline Bowman, and then they sort of like tailor, and then at one point they put her in the back of a car. And they're going to do some experiments on her or something, and she escapes. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. So it's funny how, like, none of those people ever kept files that said, Adeline Bowman, I would like to research her, and nobody ever came after her again. I mean, I know she changed her name. Yeah. But, I mean, all you need is a photograph. Yeah, really. I mean, Har- Harrison Ford didn't try that hard to, to no. remember who she was. So, yeah. Do we want to talk about Harrison Ford? Please. Okay. This is the first movie I've seen him in in a long time where it didn't look like he didn't want to be there, which is really strange to me because this is not the role that he normally <laughs> plays. But you watch him in in uh, the newest Indiana Jones, and you watch him in Star in the newest Star Wars. Uh, I keep wanting to call it A New Hope because that's <laughs> the one it's modeled after. What is it called? What's Star Wars Episode Seven called? Um, the Light at the um, End of the Tunnel. See, I didn't watch it. Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm not familiar with Star Wars or Indiana Jones. <laughs> I, I don't remember. Anyway, in both of those movies, he looked like he desperately didn't want to be there. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching something about Blade Runner, which is our movie next week. Ooh. In the theatrical cut, they made him, the producers, the studio, made him record narration. Okay. Because they thought that the movie was going to be too confusing and people wouldn't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And Harrison Ford that thought that this was just an awful, terrible, no good, very bad idea. <laughs> and so he did the worst job possible with the hope that he w- he would do a bad enough job that the studio would say, oh, this is going to ruin the movie. Let's just take it out. Mm. Well, they didn't. <laughs> so Harrison Ford is this dude who, for some reason, isn't ever in really, really great movies, mm-hmm. but is spiteful enough to do a purposefully bad job (laughs) in a movie that he doesn't really want to do. And this isn't his best work, Mm -hmm. but he didn't seem miserable acting it, which is just strange to me. And I wish I had done some some research on behind-the-scenes things Mm -hmm. as to why is he in this movie? Why did you choose Harrison Ford (laughs) to be this guy in your movie? And why is he happy to be there? Or or, or or what? Is he happy to be there? I, I, a lot of me is concerned with Harrison Ford, the man, the actor, more so than the character that he played. Mm. But the character that he played, which is, I guess, what we should really talk about, because that's the important part, mm-hmm. is an old lover of Adeline's, who's also the father of Ellis, mm-hmm. which could have made for a really sexy scene Ew, at the no. end, <laughs> uh, but didn't. <laughs> <clears throat> but anyway, he realizes her right away, and it kind of looks 
kind of seems like he uh, is still in love with her. Yeah, totally. Oh, I felt so bad for the his wife because mm-hmm. he was just like, oh, like, oh, you could tell he was just so distracted by her and he was always in his own little memories and everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you are celebrating your like 50th anniversary with your wife and all you can think about is this girl who you were with for a few months. Yes. <sighs> But he was going to propose to her, and she ran out on him. And also, it is like seeing a ghost. And then realizing that not only did you see the ghost, the ghost is actually the person that you once knew, unaged. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if you're going to propose to someone and then they disappear, I would imagine that it is hard to get over that even when you do eventually fall in love with somebody else. Was the writing and acting a little clunky about that subject? Maybe could they have delved into it deeper but didn't want to make the movie any longer and maybe there's deleted scenes out there that explains it better? Maybe. Uh, But if I'm analyzing this movie this deeply anyway, (laughs) I'm going to forgive his actions because if I was in his position, I would be similarly wigged out. What I want to know, like, I feel like they didn't discuss or bring up at all is that did Adeline just entirely lose feelings for him? And why did this second chance of being in his life again not spark a thing for her like it did for him? Like, I understand that he was the one who's going to propose and she saw that he was going to propose and she bailed. But I think the only reason she did that is because she didn't want to tell him, you're going to get old someday and I won't. Mm-hmm. Um, so now that she sees him as an old man, like, did she not have those feelings anymore? Um, I mean, I know she's fallen in love with Ellis, who is his son, which is weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but does that just mean that Adeline is no longer in love with him and given the chance she wouldn't want to be with him only because she found somebody else. I don't know. It just seems strange that she did not have the similar reaction that Harrison Ford did. Not to me. No. Because. So the thing for him is the woman he fell in love with all those years ago reappears to him unchanged. Mm -hmm. She's seeing an old man who's lived an entire life. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, like, to him, she is the exact same person. To her, he's a completely different person. Yeah. Like, yes, I I remember that I had feelings for you 50 years ago, Mm -hmm. but you have lived an entire life up until this point. You know, you are a completely different person from the person that I knew all those years ago. Which is why. Also, the emotional blocks that she puts on herself anyway for not caring for people largely inspired by him going to propose to her Mm -hmm. i bet she really batted down the hatches after she saw that yeah because up until that point she was allowing herself flings and and Mm -hmm. stuff like that because you know she's still a human with a pulse yeah who does desire human contact every once in a while Mm -hmm. and um but yeah after that she probably really batted down her emotional hatches which is why she's so cold to Ellis at the beginning. Yeah. So I, it, it makes sense to me that she would be less emotionally conflicted than him. Because yeah. Because she's had so much more emotional development in the area of love than he has. 
What do you think would have happened had she told him her secret when back in the 60s or 70s when they were first together? Uh, he probably would have said, that's freaking cool. I'm a scientist dog. Yeah. Like that you're fascinating. Which I can see if that movie had been the movie we watched, there would have been a lot of conflict because he would it would have been like love and other drugs mm-hmm. where jake gyllenhaal's trying to cure her parkinson's and she's just trying to accept it mm-hmm. i i imagine that there would have been a conflict sort of like that i imagine that if you're that head over heels in love for somebody they tell you something weird about themselves and you say well i'm in love with you mm-hmm. that's just a part of you so i'm in love with you especially with a movie as schmaltzy as this one mm-hmm. um that does remind me, though, I had forgotten that he was a scientist. Um, so I guess I kind of still have an issue with Harrison Ford's actions of, you know, sort of swiping his, sweeping his wife to the side or whatever when she comes back into his life. He named that comet after her, mm-hmm. and he always hoped that she was going to come back. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. It just seems very disingenuous. Yeah, well, I don't know. Love is is messy. You can be in love with two people at the same time, and you can... I mean, not me or you. <laughs> Obviously, we're 115% monogamous, and mm-hmm. everybody just kind of looks like amorphous gray blobs to me. <laughs> I've, I, after seeing you the first time, no one ever looked attractive to me again, and, and all of that. However, for, for normal people, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Love, love can be messy. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying that his actions are totally right and that his wife should be completely understanding and supportive or anything, but he just seemed like a flawed character to me. Yeah. Which, in the context of this movie, uh, with the limited screen time he had, doesn't paint him in the best light. Yeah, that's true. He was, But it's also not a movie about him. It's a movie about Adeline. And this yeah. is just another little conflict. Because this movie doesn't have big conflict. No. It has a bunch of tiny conflicts. Sort of like about time. Yeah. It's, that's definitely it's true. It's tiny, tiny conflicts because it's a character study. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's another kind of interesting relationship in this movie. And that is of Adeline as Amanda with her blind friend. Yeah. Um, I, the first time I watched this movie, I could not understand why she was still friends with this person from however long ago. But Mm -hmm. then I was like, you know what? There's really no risk in it. Yeah. But so then that. She already talked like an old lady anyway. Yeah. So she probably said, oh, this person is 55 years old like Mm -hmm. I am. Um, That's, that's why during the, the, the New Year's Eve party when the two young hot men sit yeah. at, their, at their table to talk to Adeline, mm-hmm. the, the blind lady's like, welcome to the cooler table. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That was made for some interesting, um, like, I don't know if I would call it comedy, but like, it was sort of like uh, a was, comedy of errors it, kind of it, thing. Yeah, it was, it was some weird, awkward. Yeah, awkward, I guess, would be. Um, so, I wonder if the only reason Adeline continued her friendship with that woman whose name I can't recall is because she was blind and she didn't serve as any risk. Definitely. I, definitely. I mean, the the romantic in me or whatever wants to say that she saw something in this person and even if 
the person hadn't been blind. She would have wanted one friend and oh, no. I don't know. No, she has that inner daughter. That's true. Uh, no, with the, with the blind friend, she gets to be an old lady with another old lady. And that's something that she doesn't get the chance to do. So it's a part of her. It's an emotional need that she needs to have filled and she found a way to fill it. So yeah. she filled it. I mean, obviously, you don't be friends with someone for that long of a time if you don't actually genuinely enjoy their company. Yeah. Like, they they were very, you know, they were close friends who loved each other. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, she would not have been friends with that person in that way had she been sighted. So, I'm just thinking right now, this hadn't occurred to me before, but I wonder how long ago they met. Because Adeline changes her name and location every 10 years so why does that woman live where adeline currently lives like did adeline come back like 30 years later or something i don't know she might have just met her at the beginning of the 10 years and noticed she was blind and just acted like an older woman well because the blind woman thought her name was amanda not adeline she called her amanda well she didn't call herself adeline to anybody else either Adeline's her Oh, that's name. right. Because she was... Who is she? She was like... Jennifer? She was Jennifer. She was Jenny. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. She might have just... I don't know. Met her however many years ago when she was Amanda and reconnected with her at some point. And, because she... It's not like she was moving across the country when she was changing her identity. She just moved to different parts of California. Oh, that's the only place she lived? I think so. Oh. Well, she went to England and that's where she might have Yeah, so she spent but... some time abroad, but... Yeah. Mo- mostly she lived in California to be with her daughter. Mm-hmm. Which, oh my gosh, how heartbreaking would that be to have your child age and you stay the same? That's, oh, that's like got to be one of the hardest things that you can see, like physically see happen in front of you mm-hmm. is this little child who is your child becoming old enough to be your grandmother and having health issues. And you're like, oh, she's going to die soon. Mm-hmm. That's awful. <laughs> Yeah, well, and so why she didn't have kids after she stopped aging? Well, because she didn't let herself get close enough to anyone in order to make that happen. I mean, you don't need to be that close to have somebody just inside I suppose that's... (laughs) Whoa, language, sir. Um, So, I don't know. I just can't imagine how difficult that would have been for her. Like, I know she didn't have any way to fix it. So she probably just accepted it, but mm-hmm. like, yeah, I, she she seems like a very pragmatic person. I mean, had this movie been written and directed by somebody else, you know, she she would have been suffering from depression mm-hmm. and anxiety and be a crazy cat lady instead of just having one dog. Yeah, well, uh, the same dog over and over. Um, yeah, well. It, it did seem like she was having the dog have puppies and then mm-hmm. would take a puppy. Yeah. So, I don't know. Who knows? This this movie painted her as very pragmatic and optimistic and positive uh, rather than someone who sees themselves living in their own personal hell that yeah. nobody else could possibly understand. Yeah. Th- this movie was a love story character study and not a character st- like a deep philosophical emotional drama mm-hmm. speaking of which before we get into into trivia i want to to point out something that bugged me the entire movie okay 
So the narration, with its techno babble at yeah. the beginning, <laughs> says that whatever happened to her is is some techno babble science name that won't be discovered until 2035. Mm-hmm. It's a bad idea in the first 15 minutes of your movie to paint the picture of another movie that I want to see more. <laughs> the movie I want to see is when they discover that, you know, in in the, the, the near future, and then everyone gets this treatment done so that they never age again. Hey, there's always room for Adeline, too. No, there's not. <laughs> and, like... Imagine Adeline, she she at the end spies a gray hair mm-hmm. and smiles because, yay, I'm going to grow old with my soulmate. Mm-hmm. And then in 18 years, when we're no longer beautiful because we're in our late 40s, we're going to figure out that I could have stopped him aging then? <laughs> that sucks. And also, there's... Like, that's the movie I want to see. I want to see the sci-fi movie where people are like, you can't stop aging! Like, mm-hmm. you have, like, the divide in, in politics and, and everything. And instead I was just given this romantic tale of, of love and beauty. Mm-hmm. Sorry. So, I get the narration. It made it feel like a storybook. Mm-hmm. It, it did all these things. I would have edited that line yeah like i i would have put it at like 2257 or something like Mm -hmm. something way far in the future and not 2035 yeah which by the end of the movie is only like 20 years away yeah it's real close yeah um so i was wondering if what would you how would you classify this type of story where everything is normal, like regular life, but there's this one thing that's sort of like fantasy? Like, would this be like realistic fantasy or would this it's, be... It's like magical realism, magical sort, realism, sort of something like that. Like, very light yeah. magical realism. Or I guess it would be like science fantasy realism or something like yeah. that. Some Some sort of something realism where... Yeah, everything is the same except some scientific sci-fi something happened to one person ahead of time. Mm-hmm. It's like X-Men light. Yeah. Like diet X-Men. X-Men zero. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Or because essentially she's an X-Men. Yeah. Something about her got mutated and now she doesn't age. Right. She's, she's one she of the shittier really X-Men. she like, powers or Well, anything. her power is eternal youth. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but... I mean, if anything, she could have been Professor X's, like, assistant. Yeah. Um, so before I get into some trivia, okay, I guess I would like to ask you, mm-hmm. if you stopped aging, what would your life be like? What would you do? What would you do that was similar to Adeline? What would you do that was not like what Adeline did? Uh, I would probably have to move around less because I don't go outside or have friends, <laughs> so it wouldn't... I wouldn't have to cut ties with people. I would probably write a lot more because I would be able to... I, w- I would do something like her where, where I would do some investments so that I wouldn't have to worry about money. And then I would spend all of my time reading books and watching movies and becoming like a fantastic storyteller. One of the greatest storytellers of our times. Because there's, there are writers who like no one has ever seen. There's no pictures of. and mm-hmm. You know, you find an agent you trust and you just... And then 
you know, I would live out that person's lifetime and be like, all right, he died. Yeah. Oh, look, there's this new uh, writer who's, who's great. inspired by this guy. Yeah, I, or, or not even that, just like great yeah. in a different way because I would get bored writing. Yeah. There was a, a quote from uh, Franzen. I can't remember his first name. Jonathan. Jonathan Franzen talking about writing his book, Freedom. And he was like, oh, I've written in this style for 20 years and really nothing has changed. So I'm, I think this is a great thing because I've learned to like clearly tell the story the way that I can. Mm-hmm. I think that that sucks. <laughs> I would hate to write in the same style for 20 years. Yeah. Jonathan Franzen is also a terrible writer who doesn't understand things like... I haven't read any of his stuff. ...feminism and stuff. He basically wrote... He wrote that novel Purity that came out recently, mm-hmm. which is like a takedown of feminism. What? Because it stars like a young girl who wants to maintain pure... I don't know. He's So what? He's just... That's feminist. If no, you, you can do well, what you want with your body. No, because he's... The way that he paints it is, is very not feminist. Mm-hmm. And... He's just kind of a crusty old man. He also has said, or no, that was Paul Astor. I don't know. He he just is problematic and dumb, and all of the writers I like hate him, so I don't think I'll ever actually read him. Okay. So you would just write. So I would write a lot. Yeah, I'd geocache, I'd hike, I'd live in the woods for a while. I would just do all the things I want to do that I can't do because I have to worry about money, because I would figure out a way to not have to worry about yeah. money. Yeah. Um, for me, I would probably do some similar things where I would want to write a bunch and read a bunch and watch a bunch of movies. Um, I would also want to travel. I would probably make it my life goal to like travel to every country or something Mm -hmm. just because like you've got plenty of time. You can save up tons of money. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I would want to travel a lot. Um, yeah, (laughs) sort of like what she did where she sort of devoted her time to just learning. I -hmm. think that's probably what I would do too. Yeah, I would also I would also probably become some sort of kung fu master. Ooh, there well, you because go. you have you have so much time and your body's at its peak. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, you become the best kung fu martial artist in the world. Yeah, why not? Because those ancient Chinese men who who still know all the secrets and stuff, you you tell them you don't age, and they say, oh yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Are you uh, ready for some trivia? Yes, ma'am. All right. Anthony and Gruber was chosen for the part of young William because of his strong resemblance to Harrison Ford when he was young. Uh, it is a frequently asked question whether Harrison Ford dubbed the voice of his character's younger self. The answer is no. Anthony and Gruber really is that good of a Ford sound alike. Because hmm. it did, it was kind of uncanny valley. It really it's was. Like, that sounds like Harrison Ford, but his voice is too deep. It sounds like they dubbed him and then pitch modulated it down yeah like like evil cooper in season three <laughs> Twin, Twin peaks uh natalie portman turned down the role of adeline okay um in order to create a sense of authen- authenticity for shots set in the 1930s 40s and 50s filmmakers used anamorphic lenses and limited the use of steady cams yeah i really liked how this movie looked mm-hmm. i liked it it was a lot. pretty mm-hmm it wasn't super stylized, but it was shot really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Uh, when Adeline goes to the New Year's Eve party to visit her friend Reagan, that's the blind woman, mm. um, she stops and looks at a picture of herself from half a century ago. She's wearing that same dress to the New Year's Eve party in 2014 that she was wearing those many years ago. Maybe it was a private joke to herself, or maybe it was an homage to a different time. Or maybe it was a reference to The Shining. I haven't seen that. We'll have to watch it. Okay. Angela Lansbury was cast to play Fleming in 2010 when Katherine Heigl was still attached to play the title role. Um, but Blake Lively was ultimately chosen for the lead after much debate. They can get Melissa the nice. Um... A fragment of a song by American recording artist Lana Del Rey appears in the trailer. The track did not appear in the film or on the soundtrack. It is still unreleased. The joke told by Ellis in that part, scene in the park has a few interpretations as to what the punchline means. Um, one inter- interpretation is the acceptance and then questioning of the absurd- absurdity. The teller asks the listener to accept the absurdity of a horse who can talk, bat, and field. The punchline then points out the absurdity of a horse who can't pitch. Another interpretation is the connection to horseshoes. In the game, to throw a horseshoe is called pitching, and how could a horse pitch his own shoes? Either way, it really is a terrible joke, as Adeline points out. Two well-known Marilyn Monroe films, How to Marry a Millionaire from 1953 and Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, also from 1953, inspired the period color tone and saturation. Um, J. Mills Goodloe's original screenplay featured New York as the setting for the film, but the author later changed the location to San Francisco because he thought it had a more appropriate ambiance for the film. Adeline is 107 years old in the modern day story. Jenny Kissed Me is a poem by Lee Hunt. Adeline's ringtone on her cell phone is that of an old time telephone. This is the second movie where Michael, er, Michelle Heisman, Michael, Michelle Heisman's character is named Ellis. The first was World War Z. Oh, he was in World War Z. Apparently. I haven't that seen that. That movie's bad. <laughs> and nothing like the book, which is good. Oh. Have you read the book? No. Oh, I lent it, it to somebody and then they lost it, so I don't have the book anymore. And also why I don't lend books to people. Yeah. But it was... Uh, uh, fragments of interviews mm-hmm. with people like after the zombie apocalypse had been quelled. Ooh, that sounds cool. And it was, yeah, it was documentary style. It was interviews and and whatnot. And this was just a dumb Brad Pitt action movie. Huh. Brad Pitt ruins everything. No, he doesn't. Brad Pitt's <laughs> a great actor sometimes. <laughs> that movie was dumb and I don't blame him for being in it because I also don't hate money. In 2011, it was announced that the film would shorten the name from The Age of Adeline to simply Adeline. By 2012, the title became Age of Adeline, before finally being released under its original title after all. God, I hate executives. What difference does the make? There was, there were multiple meetings and shouting matches over this. I'm sure. There were, a, there's somewhere, a boardroom full of old men screaming at each other about a movie title like this and and the the thing is is that it's it's officially age of adeline right when uh, when we said what because they took out the the no it's the age of adeline. it is the age mm-hmm. of adeline okay mm-hmm. 
Because I think we've called it both. Yeah, we have. See, that's the thing. Is that it doesn't matter. Yeah, it really doesn't. Um, Adeline's birthday on the fake IDs she picks up at the beginning of the film is actually the same birthday as Blake Lively herself, August 25th, with only one year difference. 1986 in the film, Lively was born in 1987 in real life. Um, I really enjoyed that opening scene of the movie, of her buying the fake IDs. Mm-hmm. Um, first, because the kid is, he was from The Killing. He was the sleazy boyfriend in mm-hmm. the first yep. season. Yeah, he was. Um, and also, I thought it was really funny how she had become, I guess, become so observant since she's been alive for so long that she knew that he had given her a fake name. And then you kind of don't know when he says, are you a cop, if she's going to say yes or not, you know? Well, I mean, I didn't think she would be like, yeah, I'm a cop. Well. Because you wouldn't get a government job if you're trying to hide from the government. I mean, you never know. No. That's <laughs> well, sorry. I just thought it was funny. Um, J. Mills Goodlow has claimed that the film's omniscient voiceover style was inspired by the third-person narrative style of Network from 1976. He also noted that the voiceovers in Am- Amelie and E2 Mama Tambien were also influential, also influential to the film style. Have you ever seen Amelie? No. It's really good. It's got Audrey Tattoo in it. J. Mills Goodlow wrote the first version of the script in 2003 after being inspired by the title character in Amelie. The screenplay then underwent substantial revisions in 2009. Um, Danielle De Palma, executive vice president of digital marketing at Lionsgate, claimed that the film's promotional campaign was primarily targeted at fashion-conscious women. Television spots and video ads on the web emphasized a fashion journey through the decades initiative which i think is pretty cool that's an interesting marketing style for a movie i feel like movies don't really have like um promotional campaigns like they used to most of the time it's just they put the trailer up on youtube and that's it Mm -hmm. so i think it's interesting when films do like like immersive campaigns kind of yeah oh i i i completely agree um Trying to remember the term. Is it just like augmented role playing game or something? But there, there used to be these computer games that, like, brought real world elements into things. Where there were like movie posters that had numbers, and you had to figure out that like the number is part of this thing, and if you convert it to letters, then it spells out this message and. Mm. Or it's like a phone number, so if you go to a payphone and call the number, they will give you a clue. Oh, cool! Yeah, there's there's lots of stuff like that that used to happen. Uh, there there were com- whole like computer games that were sort of like persistently being updated, and and communities of people who all got together to share their clues and that's really and, cool. And whatnot. Let's see. From 2010 through 2013, the studio announced a new director for the film each year. Oh Andy Tennant was hired as the initial director in 2010. He was dismissed in 2011, and it was announced that the studio was in talks with Gabrielle Muccino to take over for Tennant. It was not clear whether or not Muccino was ever officially hired for the job, but by May of 2012, the director later announced Isabel Croyette as the film's director. The studio finally made their selection when they announced that 
Lee Toland Krieger would helm the film on October 16, 2013. Uh, the name Fleming, which is Adeline's daughter's name, mm-hmm. it, as a first name, is exclusively a boy's name, it, originating from Denmark. Film icons Ellen Burstyn, who played Fleming, and Harrison Ford have no scenes together. Uh, that makes sense. Harrison Ford plays the character named William Jones. The actor is famous for playing other character with the surname, Indiana Jones. This is the second movie in which Ellen Burstyn plays a character who grows older while one of her parents remains physically young. The first is Interstellar. Oh my god! <laughs> I haven't seen Interstellar. Um... Oh, that is her. Oh, my God. <laughs> Joe's mind went. That's, um, that's such a weird thing to be typecast. It as, really is. Because you can't get a lot of work that way. <laughs> no. Like, I don't want to be typecast as, as, as like the dude what gets eaten by rats. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, you, you're only going to be in two or three movies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, similarly. In Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Harrison Ford's character, Indiana Jones, falls for the same woman that his father, played by Sean Connery, does. In this movie, he shares the love of the same woman with his son. Mm-hmm. That's kind of weird. Um, the Jeep model that Ellis uses to pursue Adeline is a different year model than the one <laughs> he left from his parents' house. So the car what? just changed while he was driving home. <laughs> I want to know how that happens. I don't know. But... Oh, we ran out of money for renting the 2016 model. I guess we got to get the 2014. They look, I guess, closely enough. (laughs) Yeah, that's all the trivia. Huh. Uh, Do you have any final thoughts before we do some survey questions? I don't think so. I think I got all my grievances out of the way. Oh, jeez. I'm sorry. I uh, showed you such a frustrating movie. The only frustrating parts was that not Melissa Benoist was in it and that they they teased a movie that I wanted to see more right at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that this type of movie appeals more to women than men? What, a romantic character study starring a woman? Like, yes. what, no, what we were talking about earlier, where the sci-fi, reality, fantasy, whatever... No, because Highlander. I don't know what Highlander is. Highlander was like four movies and a TV series that ran multiple seasons. Okay. Which is the same thing where the dude is an immortal, only there's other immortals, and they all have to kill each other because there can only be one. Oh, okay. I was just thinking, like, this is probably extremely stereotypical and sexist of me, but I feel like men are generally more interested in like the hardcore sci-fi like no realism just like all fantasy no okay because hard sci-fi is definitely a thing like interstellar or i don't know something or or the martian where it's it's science fiction but it is based as closely as you can on, on real uh science and techno thrillers are a big thing in books and and, okay. And everything. Yeah. All right. We want to answer some questions. I do. All right. Um. Which character would be the first to die in a horror movie? Um. Were there any black people in this movie? No. 
We're no black people. <laughs> um, I don't know. Probably the Asian lady that worked at the library with her. <laughs> okay. Or, no, the blind lady would be, like, the second one to die. Yeah. Or, like, second to last. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. I really need to get, like, a fidget spinner for when we do podcasts. I'm destroying the heck out of this. Yeah, you are. You're making a mess, too. I am making a mess. Good thing <laughs> the vacuum cleaner's in here. Um. Which character do you think would be the most likely to help you out of a jam? Adeline. I agree. Or her daughter. Yeah. Fleming seemed very sweet. Mm -hmm. um and finally which three items from this movie would you want with you if you're stuck on a deserted island Mm. the cold water the lightning (laughs) and um i don't know the library (laughs) or just a book a book all righty so, Joe. Katie. You are telling you already told us, but what are we watching next week? We're watching Blade Runner. Ooh. And uh just so everybody knows, we're going to watch the theatrical version. Ooh. Because there's like eighty seven different versions. Really? Yes. Cause Ridley Scott is weird. Okay. <laughs> so we're gonna watch the theatrical version. Mm-hmm. Uh and then we're gonna talk about other things about it so okay uh and where can people find us they can find us on itunes mm-hmm. um i'm thinking pretty soon they might be able to find us on anchor too i'm thinking anchor. about that yeah. all right cool um and then i need to throw this away yes you do <laughs> um what is it noisemakerjoe.com slash sharing everything yep uh wow i really just destroyed the heck out of this i'm gonna put this away good idea i'm gonna put this down i got i got foam in my shorts <laughs> you can also email us at sharing everything show at gmail.com do we have any emails we do not okay um so next week we're watching blade runner yeah and until then keep talking keep loving and keep sharing bye bye now